Hello and welcome to Idea City. I'm your host, Andrew Gilbert, and today we're talking with Benny Johnson. Benny is a Ghana-born, Calgary-raised, award-winning culture cultivator, event producer, MC, creative media specialist, and consultant. As a former rap artist, his group, The Humble Giants, performed all over North America, including for the renowned South by Southwest Music Festival. Previously judging for the Juno Awards, he continues his expanded role in the music industry by sitting on the boards of Breakout West 2022, Music Calgary, and Advance, Canada's Black Music Business Collective. As a community builder, he's most notably known as the founder of 10 at 10 Music and Culture, where he's created hundreds of hip-hop events featuring just as many artists, raising thousands of dollars for charity and providing media coverage for the urban arts and marginalized communities. Benny, welcome to the show. Happy to be here. So, Benny, uh, let's start with the big question. What's your big idea for making your city better? Oh, wow, right out the gate. Uh, I don't know if it's as much of a big idea as it is just, you know, empowering creative entrepreneurship. You know, I think a lot of people look at the city and they say, man, I wish Calgary had X, had Y, had Z, whether that's a big event center or more opportunity to do this or like a, a roller skating arena or whatever, right? And it really takes uh, the power of the minds of an innovator, a disruptor, someone to come into the scene and really, really bet on themselves, bet on their idea, and then hope community can come in after them. And I think that also gets affected by policy, things that are in place. You know, I think you saw a lot of times during the pandemic um, how 17th Ave seemed to come alive because they allowed the sidewalks to become patios. And all of a sudden, people were kind of engaging way more outside uh, and enjoying each other's time. You've seen a whole bunch of new restaurants open up. Um, Calgary's always been very good for food, but I think the experience around it got, got way better this time around just because some of these creative entrepreneurs, these chefs, these people who love food have taken the time to build these really fun environments and with a little bit of policy relaxed, you know, the city as a whole became a little bit more lively, especially even during a pandemic where, you know, we should have been all tied up and, and we were for the first bit. So mm. yeah. now just as a tangent, are you a big food guy? I can call myself a foodie for sure. I mean, I definitely order a lot of skipping dishes now if I'm not cooking my own food, but I did, I started keto at the beginning of the pandemic as well. So naturally on keto, you're definitely cooking more because there's less you know, things that you can just go grab whenever you want. Um, there's a lot of keto items now where, you know, they say keto on them, but they're not true keto or anything. So I do end up cooking a little bit and appreciating food, but I've always enjoyed food, textures especially, and just, you know, spices, flavor. I'm, you know, I'm a very cultured guy. <laughs> oh, you seem like it. And speaking of being a cultured guy, so maybe just for those who don't know, can you explain a bit about what 10 of 10 is? For sure. I mean, 10 to 10 began in Calgary almost 11 years ago now as a showcase. And it was a it was a hip hop showcase where everybody in the city could come for one night to enjoy hip hop. If you really kind of enjoyed the music but never really got a taste of the culture itself living in Calgary, you knew for at least one night out of the, one night out of the month you can go to this place where there'd be performers on stage, 10 artists at 10 p.m. That's where we got the name. And they were performing, whether it was hip hop, R&B, reggae, soul. This is even before Afrobeat was a genre. So you had these artists on stage, but now you can also attend and wear a backwards hat or sneakers or a button up shirt or a t-shirt and be allowed into this venue that people were also wearing cocktail dresses or three piece suits in. 
and it was downtown at the Grand, so just you know half a block from the C train station, and it was free. So literally, people could walk in and out and experience live performance, live hip hop culture, people dancing, enjoying live performance, and seeing, oh man, like this talent exists in our backyard. So 10 at 10 was a showcase that now was a hub for hip hop culture and a hub for the community to kind of begin. And then from there, it's expanded into, you know, so many other things as far as like booking talent for, you know, festivals or booking talent for special productions or being artist development or a resource for artists to kind of connect and, and find things. And, and also like an, a long-term play is kind of like a way that you can grow as an artist inside, you know, Alberta to say, you know, I am an artist and 10 at 10 exists as like a resource or a platform for me to be seen, be discovered, and to find other people. So I like that you're saying the term resource and you're using connection a lot. Can you speak a bit about why you started this in the first place? What was the impetus for this to even come about? What was the lack that you saw that you wanted to fill? Well, I mean, myself, I was an artist. And uh, I say was because I'm currently on hiatus. And, you know, when you're kind of doing something, it becomes increasingly harder to do that thing when you don't see things like yourself around you. And it's a lot easier now to think of TikToks or the Instagrams and a hashtag to go find somebody who's doing things. But 11 years ago, especially in Canada, you really did not have that much of an opportunity to, to meet other people and to find other artists or artists like myself who moved into the city. It was like, wow, you know, me and my group were talented, but we don't really know other people like ourselves who maybe are looking for a way in or an opportunity to do something. So how do we go about doing that or finding a common ground or a common place to, to do that at? And it's no different than when you think of basketball or, or hockey. There's a rink, right? And, you know, at a rink, you can go play the game. And when you're playing the game, hopefully other people come play the game and then you guys have better games, right? And we didn't even have a rink when you're talking about being an artist, right? Or being a hip-hop artist or an R&B singer, we didn't have a rink. So we needed a rink, we needed a court where we can all come together and be like, oh wow, there's somebody just like me. And this is before Facebook groups or you know, an Instagram page or something. So doing it in person was the natural like beginning of like, yo, I wanna find a place where I can kind of get credibility for what I'm doing because I'm doing it in a serious way. I can meet like-minded people I can develop my craft, but I can also build like a fan base too. Hmm. So why do that in a city? Why build your rink in a city like Calgary when you could just go to a city where there is a rink, say for Toronto or something like that? I think it always comes back down to be the change you want to see in the world, right? I think a lot of people, especially in Calgary too, but I think in every city, funny enough, is there's destination, you know, um, I actually forget the, the, the phrase, but it's like that need for like destination to like solve your dreams where you think that, well, if I just moved over there, everything will be solved. But the reality is, is like you still need to be able to hone your craft where you are before you get on a flight, move everything you have, move in trucks, move to a new city, spend resources, try to find new people and then jump into a pool that might have been going for a very long time you have the opportunity, at least here, to affect who you know and what you know, right? If you can't affect your own inner circle, you know, how can you hope to go do that elsewhere, you know? And I think at a certain point, you definitely need to go to more mature markets because everybody gets to a point where now you have to take your skill to a level that can help you grow, 
right? The same skill that got you to where it got, needs to get you can't get you to the top unless you have routes to get to the top, right? And routes to the top means that there's, you know, people or infrastructure around you. So whether that's support groups, management, distribution, labels, all that kind of stuff that can help you take your music to the next level, you'll eventually need to kind of go to those markets to be close to them. And it's no different than being very good at baseball here, but now you got to go to a D1 school in the States just to be able to see, be seen by a coach or be in the programs or get the kind of training or to actually work alongside other athletes who are, who are better than you that help you raise your game, right? So to answer your question, it's just, again, to get started where you're at. And what sort of resources did you have to start building this, this community hub? What sort of skill sets did you gain? Because I know you were working with uh, places like Africa Day before that, right? So what kind of stuff were you able to bring to that that was able to help you build this thing in the first place? Well, I think there was a bunch of things that I was involved with in my youth. Um, I worked with Africa Day, Global Fest, um, a couple other things that are no longer around. Um, I started a party with, with some partners called Rewind. Uh, shout out to DJ LV, DJ Seasick, and uh, Ryan Hoseway. And, you know, creating things, I think most importantly, was this uh, this annual Black History Month event that I called, made called Legacies. And it was a group of mine called Collectively Eclectic. And we uh, did a, an annual Black History Month event at the, the UFC uh, the first year. And then we moved over to the Chinese Cultural Center. And that helped me get kind of involved more so with artists here because I hadn't grown up here but as an artist myself who was doing and being part of shows you know you still had to meet a bunch of different people and that was kind of like the bigger kind of like missing link so when I was producing that show I was meeting a lot of those artists and then it wasn't until you know one of my other uh, future partners he uh, started working at this place called Ubu Lounge and uh, the owner there gave an opportunity for us to, to utilize the lounge for anything that we wanted to do so that idea spurned from just being a night of like, you know, just 10 MCs on a microphone. And I grew it into this like concept of bringing the whole culture in, you know, 10 different types of culture into there. So, I mean, we don't even do the night unless uh, our boy DJ Rocky, he's actually in there in the venue already doing what he's doing. And then the team that I ended up building around myself um, was definitely detrimental to that. Uh, we eventually brought on DJ uh, Rico Drummond. Uh, and then we had the initial like MC and host with um, Ryan Serquina and Ricka Razor Sharp. So when you say resources, it's really just people and it's good people. And it's people who believe in hip hop and believe in culture and believe in just like volunteering their time to see the culture grow. So that was really the beginning of it. And then my, my skill set was in graphic design and marketing. That's what I've gone to school and graduated from SAIT with. So. Naturally, I'm building out posters and different types of designs and, and logos and merchandise and all that kind of stuff. And, and then promoting the event, hitting the streets, handing out tickets, and then reaching out to artists on my own time and going on Facebook and meeting people in person and, and, and booking all them and then creating a system around that. So, yeah, it was a lot of just boots on the ground, working really hard, and then, you know, having a team that luckily wanted to see this thing grow. Now, I, I think it's easy to sit back and say, oh, look at that thing. It's so cool what they've built. You don't see the, the grit and the sweat that gets put into it behind the scenes, right? And even you were saying, uh, you know, your original group uh, was a detrimental and you had to sort of build out there. So can you share a bit of some of the difficulties of coming up and having to establish what you've now created 
because I think too often we focus on the nice side of things and we don't realize how hard it is to put those things together. Oh man, it's 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 impressively <laughs> impossible to do a lot of the stuff that we did. I mean, um, a lot of the things. If I if I take it back to day one, I remember people being like, just in general, like I don't even think there's more than ten artists in the whole city, right? So you're talking about a showcase that that features ten people at ten p.m. for ten minutes each, and you want to do that monthly. You want to do that twelve times in a year. But people are like, I don't even think there's there's 10 artists here, let alone 120, right? So that already is kind of a little bit of a roadblock. But then you have to go and create, you know, a room uh, and promote that room. So the challenges are in a city now telling people that here is a hip-hop event. Here's a hip-hop event that's downtown, not like in the outskirts somewhere. Here's a hip-hop event that's in an actual venue that's beautiful that, you know, you should take out a night of your week to come attend you have to brunt the cost of it being free for the first two years so we're also not making money for the event right and we're renting equipment we're donating our time and we're spending all these resources whether that's like me doing graphic design and again this is the time where you know graphic design is my main business so graphic design web design all these things and anything that could i could charge for a few hundred dollars i'm not making that money back here so i think the biggest thing is the sacrifices even financially is knowing that i'm spending you know hours and hours per week per month per night creating this showcase and there's no return from it other than the community coming together so yeah, the sacrifices are, are immense when you're talking about time because nobody thinks about how much time it takes to do this kind of stuff. I think people do see like, oh wow, it's a live show. There's a lot of people in the room. That must be awesome. There must be a lot of money behind that. But then you think about it for a second, like, okay, so where's the actual revenue coming in? And it's just like, this was a free event, right? And then even when we moved and had to mature to a different and bigger venue, you know, if you start breaking down the cost for things, you know, it's very easy to realize that it's like, the money has to come from something else that's not just at the door, right? And that's, at the end of the day, that's just really like my, out of my pocket, right? And for better or worse, I don't think that it was something that shouldn't have been done like by going through a granting process and creating a full entity that can find funding for us. But I was also just in a, in a, in a time frame where we had started and we were trying to go every single month. So instead of stopping the plane and getting off and creating this entity that can go ahead and get grants and find sponsorship and stuff like that. We just decided to continue on. And, you know, for better or worse, it's like, uh, you know, you look back, it's like, man, I've lost a lot of money just putting blood, sweat and tears and time into this thing. Right. And I think most importantly, more than anything is it's a financial burden, which comes from, you know, lack of time as well. Right. So yeah, <laughs> that, that's a, those challenges are there outside of some of the other ones. I think your initial you know, 11 years ago in Calgary, you do have to deal with a little bit of discrimination, you know, you know, for better or worse. Luckily, the owner of that venue had none towards us, of course. And, and same thing with uh, when we moved over to Commonwealth as well. Those guys were, were amazing partners in allowing us to sustain and create the event and, and, and do it in a way where, you know, we were able to sustain ourselves. Um, but yeah, just overall, the city as a whole, and just like different things that can kind of like block you from getting the word out or getting people, you know, excited or even allowing certain people into into your event because of some prior stuff that they had going on. So now they're not even allowed in the venue. So some of that type of stuff is a little bit of a challenge too because you're trying to grow a community. But it's hard to do that if certain people aren't allowed into your 
into your events because of, you know, perception. So. Well, can you elaborate a bit on that? That seems really interesting. So what sort of things were people not being allowed into the events for? Well, I mean, every venue has their own rules. Um, and there's different, when we're doing different events at different places, you know, you know, unfortunately, if you're a group of, you know, four or more black guys coming to a venue, you were always questioned, right? And you, and either you were halted or, you know, something allowed you to not necessarily be allowed into the club, right? So there's, there's things that we had to deal with even still knowing that we were running a separate event or a private event. And that's an unfortunate thing because, you know, there's no track record of there ever in all 11 years ever being a single instance in any of our events. But because, you know, of what it looks like, you know, security is a little bit more on foot or they're a little bit more on guard because it doesn't look like something that they want to uh, or that looks familiar to them, right? So, yeah, like sometimes we'd have like younger groups of kids who maybe got in trouble on the weekends at, at different places and stuff, but because a bar watch was active, you know, now they were just associated with an issue and bar watch was like this network that allowed you to know if something bad happened at one bar one weekend that these other bars were alerted of this person. But sometimes it wasn't only specifically on the person, it might be the whole group of people. And that did affect some people actually attending the events and stuff. And that, that was down the line, but those are different Again, different venues have different rules and different things that they were doing. So some people were affected just even to, to come visit the event, unfortunately. So, yeah. And you've been doing this for 11 years now. Have things changed at all in that respect? Of course. I mean, 10 to 10 for 11 years, but events in general, about 14 or 15 in the city, which is, which is wild. Um, and yeah, things have changed. Like, of course, like you just, you know, you have a lot of people that enjoy going to live events, live performances, want to be in a community, want to perform or love performers, their friends are performing. But over 11 years, a lot of people, unfortunately, are no longer doing it, right? And, um, you know, about every two or three years, you do have a new fresh blood. So it's not that it's about, you know, 11 years later, is that same person coming and having issue more so than, okay, you know, 11 years later, you know, now working with the partners that we have, you know, what does it look like when you're actually in those venues and are people having trouble coming to the door? And, and definitely not. Like, you know, um, as we look to, to rebuild our different, you know, properties and flagship events and stuff like that, then we'll definitely, you know, know that that's part of what we're bringing to the table is a positive environment, positive people, good sign. Now, uh, as someone who's organized a bunch of events, I've got to ask, what was the pandemic like for that side of your life? Because that was a heck of a time for events in general. What was the ability to sustain this concept throughout that time period? Well, to be honest, man, um, uh, I'm just trying to find that one, that one saying, man. It, it goes along that lines of like hard times you know, reveal something or hard times don't break hard man or something like that. Like, um, it was just about survival. And, you know, I think normally what ends up happening, even though I botched that quote, um, the initial days of it, um, I've kind of explained prior that we were just more concerned about having a consistent place for people to show up. We, we were more concerned about the court, the, the hockey arena, the, the place where people can come and actually enjoy themselves and, and be entrenched in hip hop culture as a community. So, you know, what ends up happening is now we're going month after month after month after month. And by the time it was done, we were at 85 months. 
So that's 85 consecutive months, nonstop, not missing a, not missing a month, just going through. So on top of that, we started growing into creating events weekly as well on top of that. So at our height, we were doing 68 events in a year. Um, and then the year prior to the pandemic, I dropped it down to 42. There's 52 weeks in a year. So as you can imagine, like some days we're doing more than one event, right? And it's it's very... There's a lot of different things going on. It's not, it's not an event every single day, but it's some days and on the weekends I'm doing two, three events across the city or in different cities. So there's a lot of different things going on to a point where when something like Stampede's coming on, you're like, oh, I can't wait. We are doing 10 days out of the 10 days for Stampede. And the hard thing about the pandemic was it was like you're driving 120 miles an hour and then you just hit a brick wall. And you still have to experience the shock that you stopped so that first you know march 13th it's like okay crazy well you know we'll see what happens on uh after the weekend and then after that weekend came and you're kind of like whoa like it's monday nothing's really going to be happening anymore okay and then now you're taking a few days and you're really starting to it's really starting to settle in like what if we're not doing events at all and this is 2020 it's like what if we're not doing anything and then now within the next couple of weeks all of the major partners that we have or bigger entities like Live Nations of the world, $6 billion event companies that you know feature Beyonce, Jay-Z, Coldplay, the biggest acts on the planet, they're like, we're halting everything. And you're like, whoa. And then you have venues completely bottled down and bottlenecked and you're like, okay, this is, this is scary. So now all of a sudden you're looking at, oh, we're not gonna do events maybe till 2024, 2025. So now it's a whole mind shift of this industry might be closed. Everything I've worked on for the past 10, 11, 12 years might not even be here anymore. So there was no kind of what's the continuation because a lot of what I was doing was to build community on the ground. Um, And a lot of the great stuff is that Instagram is here now and people found communities on Instagram. They were able to do open mics and freestyle and collaborate with other artists and stuff. But... A lot of that too was for me now, I'm, I'm 37 now, dating myself on this podcast, but um, <laughs> it's one of those things where you look at yourself and like, wow, is my work here done? So there was a lot of questioning, you know, a lot of self-reflection, identity checking, like, you know, where is my, where is the work that I'm doing needed? So it affected me in a lot of ways as, you know, as an identity thing, as a man, as like someone that was doing this on a day to day, this became my job, regardless of it being like my full time pay for my bills job, it was my full time social life job. And unfortunately, now I had to really reimagine and rethink things. And I was fortunate enough to see the light at the end of the tunnel with different like groups that we were involved in, other associations, other groups kind of like we're kind of leading forward to kind of save venues and to save the arts in general. And then at the same time, simultaneously, you know, um, a lot was going on in civil, with civil issues. So now I was dealing with a lot of going on with Black Lives Matter and just silver issues in general. So that was now taking precedent as well to what it meant to be a marginalized person in Calgary, being a black individual and being a black artist here, how that all led into why the showcase was important in the first place, because Live music has existed since the beginning of time, and it's existed in Calgary. But when you think of Calgary, you don't think of rap or hip-hop or R&B. You think about country, right? And not even necessarily country music, but just country. And it can be folk music, indie rock, 
but you know that hip-hop is not necessarily supported in a large way here. Our major stations don't have hip-hop, and if they do have any inkling of hip-hop, it's for an hour during Top 40 that they just mash everything together. And the program directors aren't even in Calgary, they're in Toronto, right? So, you know, from time to time, outside of college radio, shout out to CJSW, 90.9 FM. Um, outside of them, you know, allowing different curators to create content and create music and, and play the music that they want to hear, you know, hip-hop wasn't supported here. So, yeah, again, all the way back, the beginning of the pandemic, now I was really just checking myself, like, is my work here done, right? That was a really, really, really tough time to figure out. But how I kept it going was, luckily, I, I did start a lease on a brand new office 13 days prior to that quarantine. And now I was stuck with turning this place into something. Now, it wasn't immediate. I actually didn't touch it for nine months, just sat there. Um, we had a flood, everything was still in boxes from our old office, but it still took me getting to a point where there was like a breath of fresh air from the community saying, yo, we need you guys. We wanna perform again, we need resources, we need help. Um, you know, we need your ear on this. Hey, can you give me some advice on this? And now all of a sudden, like, I was kind of getting the battery put back on my back again of, okay, you know what? We are needed. And even if we evolve or change from just being a showcase once a month or just being events, how do we shift to working on the actual talent before they touch the stage? And that's kind of like the era I'm in now. So the pandemic itself kind of shifted me into evolving um, 10 at 10 quicker in a different direction than I would have because events were so heavy. It was about 95% of what we did because the pandemic was like a brick wall. I was able to completely revert and go into the behind the scenes as I get older work instead of being on stage work. So long answer. Sorry. <laughs> I'd rather hear more than less, right? Oh, okay. You know, if you were just saying yes, no, maybe that'd be kind of boring. Right. Uh, so because you've been doing this for, like you said, 15 years, I think social media is still a fairly new thing for this. Mm -hmm. How has social media changed the way that you interact with these sort of community creation events? And would you do something differently if you were starting stuff now than what you did 15 years ago? Social media is everything right now. It's completely shut down, changed, and flipped the music industry on its head more than any other industry because... The music industry, even before the pandemic, was already going towards this digital space. DSPs is the short form for digital streaming. So, you know, you have your Spotify's, your Apple Music. You know, there's Tidal, there's Deezer, there's SoundCloud. And SoundCloud was in that era of before Spotify's strength and after Napster, Kazam, all that kind of stuff. People not really knowing how to monetize music through digital. And now... Like, if I'm a 17, 18-year-old kid, or if I'm just, like, a young person, social media now, I can make music in my bedroom, never leave, never go to a downtown venue once a month, stay in my bedroom 30 days out of the month, create music, and build a fan base of thousands of people that are fans of my music, and sell it there without ever leaving my bedroom, right? So, you know, social media by itself has completely empowered every human being, no matter where they live on the planet, to be able to have a career in music. Now, there's still obviously tons of revenue streams in traditional music, and obviously if you get popular enough, people want to see you in person, so they are going to want to go to a live show. You are going to have to do live shows, but again, being able to show people who you are, get in front of a camera, speak, 
show them your behind the scenes, show them the process, collaborate with people across different cities. Social media has completely changed the game for that. And if I was to start today, like it would, it would totally be in digital. I wouldn't need a live venue. I wouldn't need, you know, my buddy to be working at the venue, you know, to open up the door for us for all these different things. It's more so like, yo, we got what we need right now. Let's get a couple cameras, get some microphones. Let's actually start, you know, covering each other, right? And my skill set would still apply in that way. And I would still try to build community around that. And that's kind of what we're doing right now, shifting focus and shifting things there. You know, luckily with the pandemic, I've had to focus on myself for the first time. I think I was giving so much for for 10 years too. I didn't even realize how little I was pouring into myself. And you can't pour from an empty cup. And that's definitely a big, big thing I realized also during the pandemic. But, you know, self-reflection and just like, oh, wow, like <laughs> this this took a, this, this really zapped me out as a person. And I need to go back to kind of like filling my cup. And in doing that and finding my direction and getting it, getting back on my feet, now it's like, okay, now I have the time to kind of, you know, retool, you know, rebuild, you know, what I had previously. Because, I mean, our team to one point was up to 26 people creating, you know, pushing events and all that kind of stuff, right? So now it's down to just a handful of us, just people waiting for me to come up with our next concept or our next, like, you know, direction and things like that. So... Yeah, it's really just like falling on my shoulders to kind of create that next new direction. And then, yeah, really focusing in that digital space, but then also still doing that prep work before artists even get on stage in the first place. So if someone wanted to do what you're doing right now and they were just starting out and they're saying, listen, I'm in a marginalized community, uh, I'm in a small town and there's no representation for what I want to be doing, what would you say, okay, here's what you do, here's your plan, here's what I recommend you do if you want to do what I've been doing right now? First and foremost, you got to understand your own skill set, right? What do you bring into the table, right? Know your strengths and then understand that when no one's around, what can you do by yourself, right? And a strength can even be financially. Do you have a bunch of money that's saved up that you're able to hire people for, right? Because now all of a sudden you can kind of do a lot of the different things that, you know, would take a lot of people a lot of time to kind of do if you have extra resources in that way. So building out a business plan to make revenue from something like that, right? But using that strength to find your niche. What do you want to do? Do you want to do you want to do media coverage? Do you want to present and, and produce events? Do you want to just interview people? Do you want to highlight people with with writing? Do you want to take photos? How do you want to like enter a space and create a community in the first place, right? And community can mean so many different things, right? Community is each one teach one, or it's just taking somebody, you know, under your wing, or it's supporting somebody, putting them up, or just having a peer doing the same thing that you're doing, right? So if you're an artist looking to just amplify your guys' stuff each other, you know, are you guys renting a camera and and, and recording yourselves and putting it onto an Instagram page that everybody can go to? Are you creating a bunch of TikToks that people are following now and building a hashtag around that? Are you building a website still? Very important if you want to be in any kind of creative endeavor. Are you building a podcast? Yeah, I would just say understand those strengths and then when you know your weaknesses, find people that can fulfill your weaknesses and build a team around that. You know, you really do have more strength and more sustainability when you have a team of people that support each other's strengths and weaknesses. Uh, And then, yeah, build out a business plan around it as well. Like, as much as you want to give to your community, the big thing that I say is, like, you almost do your community a disservice if you're not able to sustain yourself. Because the same thing that somebody can do with a small amount of money, somebody who's passionate and involved in a specific community 
can turn that same amount of money into something twice as good because they focused on that, right? And that's sometimes just like the bare minimum of like, you know, sometimes people are like, yo, why that sneaker store clothes or why that um, grocery store clothes or why my favorite bakery clothes? It's like, well, people weren't buying bread, you know, and now they're not open anymore, right? So, you know, you have to put yourself in the position where you can keep the door open and keep the lights open and that your community is aware that, you know, by buying into you, you're putting back into them. Now, I think you said build like 30 times in that answer. So I kind of <laughs> want to use that to leap off. In your social media, you're always saying let's build or hashtag let's build. What does that mean to you? Why do you say that? Let's build was the original, you know, mission of what 10 of 10 is, right? Um, you kind of asked me, like, why did you want to create this? And it's like, look, I'm an artist in in the middle of Alberta, Canada at the time. This is before Drake, you know, so... We don't even understand what it means for you to be successful as a rapper fully. Yeah, we had Maestro Fresh Rest in the eight, in the eighties, but he was, you know, he had his time, and then there was no kind of community built after that. So when I say build, it's like how do we turn Calgary into a hub, into a launch pad? How do we put it on the map so that people around the world are like, "Yo, have you heard of Calgary? The music that comes out of there is crazy. The hip hop artists, the rappers, the singers, the producers, the DJs, the dancers that come out of that city, crazy. So let's build is let's build infrastructure." Let's build an actual economy around talent and the, the artists themselves so that now they can actually build, you know, a career out of it, right? So instead of just saying, yeah, 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 I rap from time to time or I sing at an open mic every once in a while, it's like, no, 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 I'm an artist. Well, so what do you do? Oh, I'm an artist. Oh, what do you do? I'm a producer. Oh, I'm a dancer. Full time. Full stop. Right. So if we can build something to that where we're actually feeding into each other and building that economy around the arts, that would satisfy me. So when I say let's build, it's like, hey, you do what you do, I do what I do, you do what you do, let's do it together, let's build. And I think there's a very visceral proof of concept with this uh, in a number of ways. I remember back after the floods, you were able to raise a substantial amount of money after mm -hmm. putting on a, a concert within like 48 hours of it, I yeah, think, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, that was, I remember that too. That was that was tight. That was kind of the, the genesis of even where 10 to 10, you, you knew that we can take things, right? It was like, there was different entities in the city at the time and it was like different promoters doing different things. And we said, hey, we need to come together to save our flooded community, right? Let's raise some money. So we actually raised 13 grand for that. And then it got matched um by the red cross so yeah we ended up donating you know twenty twenty thousand dollars i think on that one in the end after some of the other stuff that rolled in so yeah it was a big it was a big deal it was a big deal yeah yeah and i think that's not the only time that you're able to show listen we're doing more than just coming together we're building something right so um do you want to maybe tell people who are listening some of the people that they should go check out that have been through 10 to 10 that have been through these communities that you think are worth promoting yeah i mean you just mean like other businesses or you mean artists in general well just people you're partnered with or artists or you know anyone you think deserves a bit shout out for sure i mean from the artist standpoint shout out to guys like you know raja raja beats he uh He's now produced songs with uh, Eric Bellinger, Chris Brown, Tory Lanez. These are like notable artists in, in the music industry. So definitely check out Beats by Raja. Um, if you want to look at some of the other artists that are here, uh, Curtis Waters is a young producer turned artist from here who teamed up with Harm Franklin, who's also from here. And they created a song called Stunnin'. And they just got a, a SoCan award for getting a million streams on that. So check out Harm Franklin, Curtis Waters on Stunnin', you know, so many different artists man that are like 
building their stuff in different areas. You got Half Cut. You know, he's a, he's my partner in Rhyme. <laughs> he's still doing his music, though, and doing amazing things with other artists in the city like Rob Roy, Icy Soul. Um, they've released some music that have, you know, gained some attention from notable hip-hop legends like DJ Premier. Um, you got cats like K-Riz, who was out of Edmonton, and they've moved all the way down to Calgary now, still making music at a super high level. Um, really, really appreciate the work that they've been able to do. Um, the dance community, you got Universe Soul, UV Soul, they're a dance studio out of here that really um, put themselves on front street of a lot of our events, had different like dance crews kind of showcase their dance talent and everything. And, you know, obviously as we've all been hit during this time, you still have dancers coming out of there, still doing some things and trying to find their, their footing again. But at, at the highest level, competing across uh, Canada and the States when things were at their highest. So shout out to UV Soul. I'm um, just trying to touch on all the different eras and, 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 and genres and stuff like that. Um, yeah, man, like it's, 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 there's too many to name on the spot, but it's like you got your Justine Tyrells, who she's still, I think, depending on the CFL, she, you know, sings the anthem for the CFL, but she just released an amazing project, you know, in 2021 and looking forward to her stuff this year. Same thing with Sincere. She's another uh, female rapper and MC here in the city. Um, fantastic body work, but also just like always pushing herself, always getting to the next level. Sincere was actually on the first 10 at 10. So when you're talking about the exact first event in September 2011, you know, she's still rapping, still creating, you know, fantastic work out of here. Um, someone not even part of 10 at 10, just like from Calgary, who's doing big things is Miss Ange. She's now like... Um, the host of CBC's The Block, which is like Canada's black music radio station on CBC every day at 7 p.m. And she's out of the city, you know, DJ, but an appreciator of hip hop and, and, and black music and being able to push artists across the city, or across the country. So that's a big look from, you know, when you're representing Calgary's heritage. Um, you also got TK from DFE, Dragonfly Empire, who's on CBC as well. Um, you know, representing all the different talents from here. So there's so many people to name. It's like, it's, 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 it's always a tough thing, right? So outside of who 10 to 10 has touched directly, it's like who 10 to 10 has also influenced in, in those kinds of things. And shout out to, to Shay Michael, who's now out in Vancouver. You know, not only is he recording music for some of the best talents out of here, he's also still an artist himself, you know, doing hip hop, uh, pop music, um, but just some of the best sound engineering in all of Canada you know, the stuff that he's been able to do. So, yeah, man, <laughs> just trying to, to touch on, on multiple things, but it's been really, really dope to just see people grow. Yeah. yeah, sorry for putting you on the spot. It's always an unfair question to ask, like, hey, who do you want to point out? Because you're always going to get in trouble for not pointing out someone you forgot, oh, right? Always going to get in trouble. And, and for me, it's not about, like, who I left out. It's like there's, a, there's so many people that if we just spent an hour just listing everybody, I would list you all. You know, um, the 10 to 10 database has over 700 artists. So sometimes, you know, for people to like even get a grasp of that, sometimes they see the same names all the time, right? They see the same like handful of people that are selected. But, you know, people jump into different paths and different things. And sometimes when you're in a situation like this, you just think of top of mind, you know, because of something maybe you were building or building, right? But if I jump back into that conversation of like 700 artists who continue to be and are still helping out but growing. I got cats like the Kid T, who is one of the best rappers out of the city. 
but as he's grown up too, he's also jumped into videography. So and he's hand, hands down the illest videographer when it comes to like hip hop music videos and like just like covering the scene, right? But then you have guys who joined the team, you know, who used to be MCs and they used to do like freestyle battles with Team Backpack in the States. And that's a guy on my team called Mysterious Visions. And he's also a videographer who has joined the team and made our videos elevated as well, covering the different like artists in the city, right? You have photographers like Henny Visions, you know, Esther Cho, all people part of the scene. It's like, how do you how do you talk about everybody that's affected or come out of 10 to 10 space and, and, and nail everyone? You can't. But if I sat here and, and, and talk for an hour, I can kind of crack that thing open and be like, yo, dogs, there's, there's names of people that you don't even know who are behind the scenes who allowed a lot of this stuff to happen. So I just want to shout out people <laughs> whenever I get a chance. You know, shout out to Cartel Madras who are just murdering it, you know, sign a sub pop at a high, high level. I got Kaya Allo, who's like an amazing friend of mine. People know her as Asha Moyo, but she's also a singer. She's got next, I, I believe, when it comes vocally and with her project that's coming out here. And man, <laughs> this is too much to name, man. Too much to name. Tiny Wings, shout out, shout out girl, I see you. Um, it's so many, anyways. <laughs> now, now uh, what I find funny is that you uh, were an artist at one point, right, with the Humble Giants. Yeah. And you performed South by Southwest, among other places. Yeah. Uh, and from what you've been saying, it sounds like you started 10 to 10 to find a place where you could do this sort of stuff. So what's it like, I guess, maturing into someone who's maybe not performing as much, but is still sort of, you know, fathering or grandfathering this this community? How has your role changed and how do you feel about that? Uh, to be honest, I think my role's always actually kind of been the same. Like I've I've always kind of been a natural leader and mentor. And um, I think when we created that space, it was a space for us to kind of see ourselves or to, to find other like-minded people. But the responsibility has definitely turned into like, how can I amplify everybody even more so? And it was never actually to amplify myself or amplify Humble Giants, you know? We were all kind of like, the, the reason we called ourselves Humble Giants is because we were all kind of like, you know, big in our own frame of minds or things that we were working on. DJ Seasick, Red Bull, three-style champion, you know, turntablist extraordinaire out of the city doing things for such a long time at a high level, you know, was, was our DJ. And then, you know, Half Cut and myself, just from the different shows that we were doing and the work that Half Cut's done, you know, on his solo side, it's like, you know, as a group, we call ourselves the Humble Giants because we like to remain humble, right? Uh, but understand, like, the stature that we hold, right? So, yeah, that that kind of grandfathered, but more so evolution was just almost like a natural thing to say, if I'm not going to be actually on stage rapping, I can definitely amplify you. I had a homie of mine once say, yo, Benny, like, I really think, like, your, your like, truest purpose or God give a talent is to amplify people, right? Shout out to Ryan Postick, a.k.a. Bad Guy Rai Rai. But, uh, yeah, he... You know, I think from always from starting with graphic design and creating graphics for people or making their logo look better or giving them business cards or an amazing website, I've always tried to amplify people. So, yeah, that that um, that cue of not making the song and not being the host on stage but falling back and giving people a trampoline to jump off of, for me, is just like, it gets me excited. You know, it gets me, it feels like, it feels right. It feels part of it. I still feel like I can do it. I can still make music and... I might jump back in the ring eventually once the new infrastructure is built, you know, as an older aging MC who even wants to hear my music. I don't know. But the best part is that there's almost 8 billion people on the planet and maybe one person does. So maybe I'll create it one day. Who knows? 
but yeah, as far as like my evolution, you know, it's felt natural, organic, and you know, I'm proud of it. So you mentioned uh, the new infrastructure being built. Do you want to talk a bit about what you're working on right now? What sort of community-focused things are you working on to make things better? Yeah, I think what ended up happening, man, is um, I've always wanted to create impact. And, you know, impact 11 years ago is creating a space where you can meet once a month, you know, where you can see people in the, in the flesh and hang out with them and, and build your fan base that way. And now... You know, as I get older and we lose venues, we don't even have as many places to kind of operate in. But we also have a ton of young, dope artists, man, who are really building and making music. You know, sometimes I leave the idea of them just partying and having a good time up to them. And I'm building artist development opportunities so people can kind of take their craft behind the scenes and mold it a little bit better, make it stronger bring in education so people are aware of the industry from an educational and industry standpoint and build that up. And then before they even touch stage, they're aware of where they're trying to go with their career. So we've built an incubator space that I'm hoping to launch within the next few months. So I'm not too sure when this is going to air, but hopefully by that time we have kind of our offerings available for people. I still don't know if it's going to be like a, a big public open space but it will certainly be an area where you can come in, get photo and video done, some podcasting, have a rehearsal space, you know, uh, showcase like a like a CD release party or album release because I have a theater that fits 80 people with a stage and projector screen. You can do music video releases as well. You can use it as a rehearsal space if you wanted to just like perform before a show or something. And we also have a recording studio in there. So if you want to actually now take that music that you were writing and building um, from one of our workshops and now you're going into our recording studio and getting that recorded and then we're helping you push it create it design it and market it so the whole idea is like a one-stop shop where an artist can kind of level up and then get their stuff promoted oh that's really exciting uh, so what's the name for that no name for the space yet yeah so i mean right now you can call it 10 to 10 headquarters or 10 to 10 hq but it's not even going to be that you know it's basically an innovation hub so we'll see. We'll see what the, the final name ends up becoming. I don't want to say anything too early, but that's been something I've been sitting on, that the idea that it's there to innovate, but it's also a launch pad. So the name will come out of that. All right. So, Benny, I've had you for 45 minutes now. Thank you for being so patient. Yeah. Uh, have you got any final thoughts about things you'd like to say to the community, things you'd like to encourage people to do or to try or to be? Man, for the community, that's the, the most important thing, man, is like we just need more of you guys build it. You know, I think sometimes people get the concept of the idea that, you know, only one person needs to do something or only one person needs to do it. But the reason that the big cities are the big cities or that you think that the big cities have, have offerings for us is because there's multiple people doing that work, right? You know, there's multiple coffee shops, there's multiple car dealerships, there's multiple basketball courts, there's multiple arenas, right? So in order for you to be able to kind of get your foot in the door and see more change happen. Innovation is by more people putting their, you know, their money on the line and putting their skin in the game and, you know, investing in the community. You know what I mean? So investment comes from buying a ticket to a show, but it also goes to saying, how can I help what's already happening here? Being aware of those things, whether that means you're volunteering or you're trying to get hired or you're building your own thing in, in complement of what's going on, right? Versus kind of competing with the one concept 
think of what else is missing from the whole scene and try to fill those holes. Just like any entrepreneur and all entrepreneurship, man, it's about filling gaps and fulfilling needs, right? And when you're doing that alongside other people that are doing things, now you have an economy, now you have an industry. And to say like, wow, Calgary has an industry because somebody decided to invest $2 million on a, on a hip hop radio station. Somebody decided to invest $400,000 on this, this new venue. Somebody decided to invest money on these microphones and this recording studio over here, right? And now all of a sudden you have access to things because some people took risks and you're supporting those risks. So I think instead of complaining as well, <laughs> that we're here to make sure that we're, we're finding out what's going on and investing in those things. If you don't invest in what's around you, then it's destined to fail. All right. So you heard the man. Stop complaining, start taking risks, and start investing. There you go. There you go. <laughs> All right. So Benny, where can people find you? I'm on, I'm on Instagram. Um, for the most part, you can get me at Benny J. So B-E-N-E-E-E-J-A-Y or at 10 at 10, 10 dot A-T-10. And those are the numbers as well. And I'm on I'm on Twitter as well, at Benny Johnson, B-E-N-I-J-O-H-N-S-O-N. Always reach out, man. It might take me some time to get to, but, you know, I'll eventually get to you, man. And if it's urgent enough, hit me again. <laughs> All right, Benny Johnson, thanks so much for your time. My pleasure, man. Thanks for having me. Before we sign off, we'd like to thank you, the listener, for joining us today. We'd also like to acknowledge that Idea City was made on Treaty 7 land, and was made possible by Hunter Hub for Social Innovation. This podcast was produced by Work Nicer, Andrew Gilbert, Kurt Archer, Simone Pabretza, and the TEDxYYC graphics team. Music for this podcast is by Sargent and Comrade.